Monday night, May 6th at the Hyatt Regency in San Francisco. You're invited to join athletes and celebs at the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame Enshrinement Dinner. Be there to celebrate this year's class featuring Olympic swimmer Jenny Thompson, San Jose Earthquakes legend Chris Wondolowski, Niners Super Bowl hero John Taylor, Sharks icon Patrick Marlowe, and the architect of the Giants dynasty, Brian Sabian. Be a part of this star-studded evening benefiting Special Olympics Northern California. To purchase tickets, visit Bayshoff.org. That's B-A-S-H-O-F.org. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. Devils steal it. Here's a breakaway in. They score. Yegor Sharangovich stole it away from the Sharks' defense as San Jose was trying to exit their zone. He was all by himself, and he did to the forehand, drove it over to the backhand, and slipped one by Kakinen. 1-0 New Jersey at 13-21 of the second period. Brat near side, stick handles, sends a backhand pass behind the back there to Hamilton. Now to Mercer on the far boards, to Hughes in the corner, to Hamilton, now to Brat in the left circle, he stick handles, again throws a backhand pass back, Hughes wants it in the right circle, gets it from Hamilton, he gives it back to Hamilton, now to Brat, left circle shot, save made, rebound, it's behind the net, fortunately, centered in front, save, score! So he sure gets it behind the net, centers it in front, and Dawson Mercer gets two cracks at it. The first one was stopped by Kacken, and the second one went up top and in. That's a power play goal. It's 2-0 New Jersey. Yeah, I mean, we gave, I mean, you guys have watched. We haven't given up that type of chances really all year. I mean, probably the Carolina game. But we, uh, that was, again, when you turn the puck over the way we did, you're not in structure defensively, so you're going to be burnt, and that's kind of what happened. You just... When you turn it over like that, that's where the chances come from, and that was the core of our problem tonight uh, from a defensive standpoint. It wasn't the structure. It was just when you turn the puck over, when you think you're on offense and you turn it over, you don't have a chance to get into D-zone structure. All right. Good afternoon, everybody. How are you all doing? We get some nice afternoon Sharks hockey today with an opportunity to make this a 500 road trip, and I know that that's tough to look at in just those that vantage when it's been a rough start to the season, you're 1-6 and six at this point. Today represents your eighth game of the year. You're potentially looking for just your second win, but I try to look in the micro more than the macro. In my micro right now is not to look at the entirety of the season, but to look at the last three games. They've lost two out of three. Can they level the ledger for this road trip and make it two wins out of four games? And I think there is a decent opportunity to do so. I don't know at this point of the recording what the lineup is going to be, but I am hopeful that we will see Noah Gregor because one of the things, and if you heard me on Morning Tide, I had the same thing, was like, you're doing the same thing over and over and getting the same results. And, you know, that's how lazy people such as myself like to define insanity. Obviously, I think you would talk to a psychiatrist. They would give you a much broader and greater definition. Um, but, you know, I, I just think that if you're doing the same thing over and over, and you're ending up with the same results, it means you need to try something different, not just double down on what you've done. And I'm not saying that, you know, David Quinn needs to change everything, but it's like, make your adjustments, figure out different things you can do to put the Sharks in a winning situation, because that's that's all you can really ask for, right? Like, Capo Kakinen yesterday did his job. If you ask a goalie, what do you think is going to happen if you only give up two goals today? You think that's going to be a good day for you or a bad day for you? And I think... Nine times out of 10 and probably 99 out of 100, they will say 
that's going to be a good day for me. That's going to be a good day for the team. Now, granted, they'll probably be upset about those two that they gave up because that's how goalies are. But if they only gave up two goals and that was the only two goals that they gave up as a team during the day, no empty netters, I think, again, they'd be pretty happy. But the thing is, is twice this year, the Sharks have not been able to win in games that they've only given up two goals. That should maybe happen once a year if, I mean, I, I don't remember what the two or fewer streak was uh, back in the glory days, but it was like, if you only give up two goals, you're going to win. There's no doubts about it. That's just going to be the end result when all is said and done. So the fact that the Sharks continue to have these troubles and they've only scored more than two goals once this year, I mean, this to me is indicative of change being needed. And granted, I, I know that that's easy for me to say because it's not my job. It's above my pay grade. It's somebody else's decision to make. It's just that I think we're seeing the reality is that you need to change something if you expect your results to be greater. I think that's just a very, very simple and simplistic take to what I am seeing. And that's discouraging because I do like a lot of what I have seen from the Sharks in the fact that their penalty kill has been really, really good in the fact that a lot of times their defense has been very, very good, but they're just, they're making mistakes, turning the puck over in bad places. They're doing a lot of the things that they need not to do if they want to get a win when all is said and done. And I, I think that it's just, it really is that simple when we're looking at the Sharks. Everyone, when they identify the problems with this team is going to point to the same issues. They're going to say the offense five on five isn't great. The power play is nowhere near great. The penalty kill is good. They're turning the puck over in bad places. We're watching these things repeat themselves time and time again. And that, to me, is something that's just got to change. You, you have to do something to adjust that. You can't just try and keep on doing the same thing over and over and hope that the team gets it. And I'm not blaming David Quinn in any capacity, and I'm saying this is on the players as well, but it's got to be everybody. They've got to either figure out how to do what they're being asked to do or be asked to do something different because... For all the systems, for all the tactics, for all the strategies, however you want to line it up, the coaches that have the most success in any sport are the coaches that put their players in an opportunity where they can have success. And sometimes that is systemically. Sometimes there are other ways to do that, whether it's coaching a guy up, whether it's psychological motivation. However you want to look at it, that's what gets it done. It's just putting somebody in a chance to succeed and I think that right now, other guys have had their chances to succeed. And so to me, you need to see changes start occurring with the San Jose Sharks, whether that's Noah Gregor today. And like I talked about on Morning Tide earlier today, whether that's William Eklund and Thomas Bordalo and Scott Reedy, maybe in a you know future that is nearer than farther away, who knows? But to me, I am looking for something to jump the offense. So let's take a look at what we are getting into with this Flyers team today. Let's look immediately at their power play. They are 15th, so relatively middle of the road. Uh, they have hit on 22% of their chances. Penalty kill, also middle of the road, 18th. They have uh, killed 76% of the penalties that they have seen so far this year. So again, small sample size, but it is something most definitely to pay attention to in terms of what the Sharks are getting into today. Through five games, they've scored 17 goals, so they're averaging a little bit more than three goals a game. And the goals against is only 11, so the defense is pretty good. Only giving up 11 goals through this point of the season has them uh, tied for one of the uh, three best in the league, or third best in the league, tied for third best, I should say. So that's a good place to be. It's going to be tough for the Sharks to score again today. 
And that's another one of these things that we keep on talking about with the Sharks that, you know, the things that I have a hard time believing, which don't make any sense to me, is that, you know, you expect that if you only give up two goals, you're going to win that game. There's also no way to expect that if you have Tomas Hurdle and Timo Meyer that through seven games of the season, they're only going to score one goal between the two of them. I mean, that's, that's madness. That is just the last thing in the world you would ever expect. And yet that's where we are with the San Jose Sharks. And something's got to give, right? Like something has to change. Timo Meyer's got to start scoring. You've got Tomas Hurdle who's got to start scoring. Eric Carlson, he's got to start being more productive. I mean, the Sharks need more everywhere. That is the bottom line, for lack of a better term. Now, I know that we're talking about these things which are relative aberrations, only giving up two goals and not winning, you know, having Timo Meyer and Tomas Hurdle not scoring, these things. If the Sharks were really, really good, it would be even more concerning. But the fact that it's occurring on a bad team, like, yeah, this is this is what happens on a team when they're not playing well, when they're not living up to their expectations. And again, I don't think I had some incredible expectations of the Sharks to go out and, you know, vie for the Stanley Cup this year. I was kind of expecting something similar to what we saw last year, which is where, you know, they were in the hunt into the, you know, the second half of the season. And when they hit the break, they had a tough East Coast road trip. It didn't go their way. That's how it goes sometimes. And then when they came back after the Olympic break, they didn't really get their ball rolling. They couldn't really gain any momentum. They suffered some tough losses. They had some injuries. They had some COVID absences, and it all kind of went up in smoke. But at the same time, you know, they had been in it for a while, and it was a fun thing to pay attention to. And you thought that maybe if they got things going, they could, you know, be a team that was in the mix for a playoff spot. It didn't happen that way, obviously. It wasn't likely to, even from day one, but still, it gave you something to talk about. It gave you something to reference. It gave you something to really engage with as a fan and, you know, to speak more broadly to professional sports. I mean, if you want to know why the playoff field in so many sports has been expanded, it's because it gives your fans a greater reason to stay interested. And listen, I understand that if you get a hot prospect, you're very, very excited about the future, but you know, I would rather have a team that's vying for a playoff spot. I would rather have a team that's in the discussion and only saying, oh, they're, you know, they're six points out. And if they can just bang off a couple of wins and they'll be right back there in the hunt. Again, personal feeling, but it is something that I was relatively expecting this year. And the fact that it's been so very, very difficult up to this point of the year, it's again, a little bit surprised. We talked about this with Corey Massasak of The Athletic the other day, where he said that, you know, he kind of wanted to say like, hey, have you guys looked at the schedule? Nashville, Carolina. Chicago was supposed to be one that you win, but then you go out on the road, you're taking on the Devils, you're taking on the Rangers, you're taking on the Islanders, today it's the Flyers, then you come back home and you've got Vegas and you've got Toronto and you've got Tampa, I mean it's just, it's a gauntlet for this team to start the season, it's just one after another, and hopefully the correction will come when the schedule does ease up a little bit, but you know, I I will point out that it's not just the Sharks that are having a rough start to the year, I mean no Look no further than what we're seeing happen right now with uh, Vancouver. Vancouver was oh, the Bruce Boudreaux effect. Well, they're 0-4-2 so far. That's not going to do a lot for you. And, you know, Vegas has had a very good start to the season. And Edmonton's kind of middle of the road. And Minnesota's having a poor start. And Tampa's having, a you know, an okay start. They're 3-3 and up to this point. And, you know, it's just, it's early. I guess that's my big takeaway. It is early And there is a lot that can happen from this point out, but a lot of it needs to be rectified in terms of what we're seeing from the Sharks on a day-in, day-out basis. I mean, we are watching the same game over and over, and that's kind of concerning that the changes or the adjustments or the overall 
whatever is needed isn't happening. I mean, that's that's my grand takeaway. Uh, I felt pretty good. I think uh, all game, obviously, they they had a bit of a push in the second, and, and we kind of weathered the storm there. I, I think we um, got out of it, and, you know, that's what you got to do sometimes, and um, you're going to give give yourself a chance to go in a, go in a third and um, try to tie the game, and we had a good effort there at the end, I think, and uh, just uh, couldn't, uh, couldn't get one in. Okay, so here's my question, and call me out if you think I'm being stupid, but why is it the Sharks always reacting to the second period push from the opposition? Like, that is my big question. Like, why isn't the other team reacting to the Sharks push? Why are the Sharks coming into the second period not ready to adapt, adjust, react, and be the team that takes over at that point? And it to me, it doesn't just come down to skill. It comes down overall to the Sharks needing to be ready for what is coming in the second period. That, that's what I am just wondering about right now. Like, why do the Sharks go into every second period and they're the team that's reactive and they're the team that's on their heels and they're the team that's giving up multiple goals? Like I said, there's only been one second period this year where they haven't given up multiple goals. That is astounding to me. We know it's coming. It's like a jump scare in a horror movie. You know it's coming so brace yourself, brace yourself, absorb the blow and go right back at him. Like that's, that's gotta be the reaction. Like that's gotta be the immediate pushback. That's gotta be the area of emphasis heading into this game. Like the bad second period is no longer a surprise. It's almost an expectation. That was Capo Kakinen who brought us in, by the way, uh, more on what the devils were doing in the second that can maybe Give the Sharks an idea of what they can expect today from the Flyers. Uh, they're f- they play fast. They, they have a lot of uh, players that uh, can skate a lot, and I think they start skating uh, maybe uh, s- to start going north and um, you know look for uh, for rushes. And um, I, I, I think that's what uh, that's what they did. And um, but yeah, good uh, good team, fast team. And we've heard this a lot from head coach David Quinn. He wants the Sharks to play faster. He wants them to keep their feet moving. He wants them to move the puck quickly, make the sharp passes, not try and get the home run pass. It's it's a lot of what we heard from Bob Bugner over the past couple of years because he would identify this oftentimes saying, yeah, they are not doing what they need to do to create chances for success. And again, you turn the puck over. You're not in a good stance defensively. You're not in a good position to react. You're on your heels. Your goalie's facing an odd man rush, and good thing that Kapokakinen did have such a good day yesterday, or else the Sharks could have been down by a lot more. It could have been a blowout. I mean, sometimes you do need your goalie to have a day, but the Sharks were giving up chances. They were not sharp enough as the game went on. That was the big difference between what happened against New Jersey and what happened against the Rangers. The Sharks got better and better and better as the game against the Rangers went on. And no, they didn't score in the third period of that game, but Still, they put themselves in a situation where they were capable of tying it later. Now, they've got to figure out what they can do to put themselves in a better position overall. I mean, that's my big thing. Is like, what can they do in the second period to not fall behind, to not give up multiple goals, maybe score a goal of their own? Because the Sharks have been very good in the first period. The first period Sharks have not been the problem. It's only one-third of the game in terms of time span, and there are a lot more facets to it than that, but... I mean, you, you've seen them play the good hockey. You need them to come out with adjustments. You need them to come out with a better look overall as they enter this next game. And that's it's something that's got to get rectified, especially when you're not having Timo Meyer and Tomas Hurdle producing at the level you're expecting of them, especially 
when you just don't have the overall, you know, crispness and quality and cohesion that you need from your team. Yeah, well, I think if you talk to them, they're frustrated, you know, and sometimes when guys that are scorers don't get rewarded or get points, it, you know, they come, become consumed with it. So, you know, that's something that they're going to have to work through. And, you know, they're great players, obviously, and we're going to need them moving forward. Obviously, they're very frustrated with the fact that, you know, from an offensive standpoint, they just haven't you know, gotten the results that they're looking for or we're looking for. So, I mean, they're both healthy and, you know, every score at some point goes through a little bit of a slump. And unfortunately, our guys are doing it early and together. And this is my big hope out of today is that the team gets Timo Meyer and Tomas Hurdle back rolling again, that they can maybe identify and be ready for that second period rush from the opposition. I mean, that that's the thing that I need to see from the Sharks is what do they look like today in the second period? What are they doing to give themselves a greater chance of success? And that combined with more need from Timo Meyer and Tomas Hurdle, who Apparently you're healthy and maybe just, you know, overexerting or not even overexerting, just trying to make something happen and not always being the smartest about it. Like you need to make sure that everybody gets on the same page and understands that you can't make these same mistakes over and over. You can't do these same things over and over and expect to have a different result. That to me has got to be the biggest message. That's got to come from Logan Couture. That's got to come from Eric Carlson. That's got to come from David Quinn. That's got to come from Tomas Hurdle. Everybody needs to be saying, hey, if you always did what you've always done, you're going to get what you've always got. I know it is more complicated than that when you break things down, but on the whole, it's really not. And that's why I'm hoping that there will be some fluctuations today. There will be some new life inserted into the lineup, and there will also be just some overall, some more buzz. You know, I I remember even in years past where the Sharks have not been playing great, you just wanted a little bit more buzzing. You wanted a little bit more momentum. You wanted a little bit more across the board. And that's, that's again, what I'm hoping for today for the Sharks. You've got to be, again, the things that we keep on seeing. You need to work on your zone entries. You need to move the puck quickly, but you need to not put the puck in a bad situation and turn it over, you know, in the neutral zone or in your own end and just make sure that you are making the wise decisions to put your team in a position to have success. And again, that gets more difficult the more and more everybody is trying to be the individual answer. I understand why that mentality exists. You don't want to be the reason why your team is losing. You want to be the guy who can come up with a big play, who can make something happen, who can turn things around. The, the difference is, though, is when those guys make those play plays, it's like a combination of everything else going right. It's not like one player changes everything. It's opportunities open up for one player to change everything because his teammates around him are doing the right things and aiding in that overall option to have success. And again, I know that is relatively simple. I know that is relatively easy to say, and it's much easier said than done, but that's what's got to happen for the Sharks. They need to be able to play that sound game that will open up opportunities for their teammates, that will allow them to get the goals they need to score, to take a lead, and to not get steamrolled in the second. Like, I'm fine with the Sharks giving up a goal in the second period. However, I'm not okay with the Sharks just continually getting steamrolled in the second period. You know, if you want to give up a goal, score two. You give up two goals in the second period, score three. Outdo the opposition. Win more periods. And I'll come back to what we keep on seeing, and that is the same problems over and over and over again. These self-inflicted wounds, these mental lapses, these same issues plaguing the Sharks. Because at certain moments, they play really well. And when they are single-minded in their focus, like they are on the penalty kill, they can be even that much better. 
I don't know that we will see these changes today. I have my hopes that we will see these changes. And I don't necessarily mean that just for the lineup. I just mean overall, like, are you going to see them ready for what's coming in the second period? Are you going to see them capable of not making those turnovers time and time again? Are you going to see them just overall play a cleaner game where they're not shooting themselves in the foot? That has got to be the emphasis. If they play that cleaner game, if they don't make those same mistakes, they will give themselves more opportunities for success, which will allow a Tomas Hurdle, a Timo Meyer, a Logan Couture, a Kevin LeBanc, a Nick Bonino, an Eric Carlson. It'll allow those guys to have greater success. All right, be sure to join us at 3.30 for pregame coverage for the San Jose Sharks. I'm Ted Ramey signing off. This podcast can be found for download under Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Google, and Spotify. And on demand anytime on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app presented by Western Digital. All music by Yogi Yen.